0: We, we had a question on the on the little questionnaire that you your people sent me. It uh-huh. said, do you feel like you might be offending Democrats with some of the things you say? And my response to that is, look, my goal is to offend everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that is my initial goal, to tell you that you are without God in the world, that there's only one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, um, that you're in sin, that Sin brings death and punishment, but the good news is Jesus Christ is the Savior who has provided a way for you to be forgiven by burying your sins in his body on the tree so that God's justice is satisfied and his love can be extended to you by putting your trust in Christ.
1: This is Apologetics Live with Matt Slick. And Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast community.
2: All right, we are live. Apologetics. Live! We are here every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, to answer your apologetics questions. We are glad you have joined us again, and folks, the encouragement I always have is to get in early. We always get the people that want to come in at the end of the show, and then they kind of complain they don't have enough time to ask their question or challenge. So best way to get in is get in early. How do you get in? Go to apologeticslive.com. It will bring you to a page where you will see the link to join. That link is always there just, well, just before eight o'clock. We have to put that up just before that. So with that, we uh, would like to invite in, we got Matt Slick here. And Matt, I don't know if you know who that voice was that in the intro there. Nope. That was, that was, uh, John MacArthur being interviewed by Ben Stein, Ben Stein. Sorry. Um, wow. I just drew a blank on his name, Ben Shapiro. Um, Ben Stein's a different Jew. Um, (laughs) but, uh, he was on Ben Shapiro's show and basically that was the question he was, they asked him whether he was upset that he might be offending Democrats. And he said, no, my goal is to offend everybody with the gospel. Uh, and, Though we're not looking to be offensive here, Matt, we are looking to share the gospel, and the gospel is an offense to sinners who don't want to admit that yikes you got that right yeah so um so I created some a firestorm this week, Matt on twitter uh, i I thought Dang. this was pretty innocent, but um, uh, i I've gotten what like a i don't know a couple thousand responses by now uh but i post i just put this out a church with a female pastor is not a church and she's not a pastor what do you think Good. about that
3: uh, i agree because it'd be a false church well you know it, it, there's some you could you know, defining church there but she's definitely uh, out of the will of god in that
2: yep yeah and that's that's basically you know everyone's challenging me with it but i don't see a lot of scripture in context with that
3: and of course not they're wacko liberals who take their finger put it up in the air to see which way the doctrinal wind is blowing and they go that way and
2: who cares so let me, let me ask you the, the passage i've been challenging them with is first timothy Chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. So, what I, what I figured would be good, Matt, let's start off, I would, I'd like you to tell us why that passage is so essential on this topic and what it actually teaches about women's role in the church.
3: It's essential because it's Paul, and what it says is they're not to be an authority.
2: Next. Ah. <laughs> oh.
3: You want me to expound on it a little bit more than that?
2: <laughs> you know, you, you, see, you, you ask me these questions,
3: you, so I'm you, just clicking these... quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer it, and then we go on to the next topic. You know, I mean, see. <laughs> and besides, I like doing that to you, so it's a lot of fun. All right, you ready?
2: Go for it. No.
3: Okay. All right, all right, Paul. Paul. The apostle. If you go to Romans, uh, excuse me, Acts nine fifteen, Paul is called by Jesus to be uh, an apostle, and et cetera, et cetera. And Paul says, "I do not allow a woman to teach, or exercise authority over a man, but remain." quiet for it was adam who was first created and then eve so what paul is doing is saying that it is not based on cultural norms it is based on the created order of god before the fall uh, adam was created uh, first and eve so what he's tying it in is to how god wants things done now a lot of people will complain and whine and go <laughs> you don't like it and that's fine they can do that all they want but what this but paul says in the next chapter But in case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. What he's doing is giving instructions on how you're to behave in the household of God. So when I talk to people about this, I say, that's what it says right there. So a woman is not to teach or exercise authority over man, but remain silent or quiet, for as Adam was first created, then Eve. And uh, I just see, you know, what are they going to do? Um, are they going to believe God's word or not? And then they try and set scripture against scripture. Well, look at Phoebe. Look at Deborah. Look at, oh, wait a minute. Are you saying you understand what this text says? And then you're trying to contradict it with something else in the word of God? What are you? Are you a Christian? Do you believe God's word contradicts itself? Deal with what the verse actually says instead of going someplace else. To try and set scripture against scripture, and then they don't like that. But uh, you know, you're going to do that. That's just that's what that verse is talking about right there. Okay,
2: okay. So, first Timothy, okay. Timothy, I'm getting an echo, two,
3: twelve and thirteen. First okay. Timothy, that's because your mouth is open,
2: it's echoing in the head. <laughs> so, first, first Timothy two, twelve to fourteen. Has two reasons for this. Now, the question I have for you: Oh, you
3: like you include
2: fourteen? Okay. Well, is the is the woman
3: the, was was deceived?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, is this? Are these two reasons that he gives? Are they cultural or are they something else? Not cultural. And what from the context would tell us that?
3: It's. I told you, Adam and Eve before the fall.
2: <laughs> well. And and so it's it's he bases it in creation, right? The creation order, the sin order. He actually does it
3: before and after the fall, because thirteen is before the fall mm-hmm. and 13, fourteen is after the fall. It was not Adam who was deceived, but it was woman being deceived fell into transgression. So what he does is he states it before and after the fall, right there in verses thirteen and fourteen. No. Because some people, what they'll do is they say, "Oh, that was before the fall, and so it doesn't apply now." What you know? I, I seriously get all kinds of stuff from people.
2: Why do you think it is that this issue really gets people going? I mean, people get really upset when you deal with the issue of women with one area. There's just one thing they can't do in the church, right? There's, there's, it's the, the restrictions for them being uh, having authority over, over men. So, they can do all these other ministries. Why is it that everyone focuses on that one issue, like, as if that's the most important thing for a woman to do?
3: because they're liberals, they're not listening to the word of God. That's why.
2: Why do you think, because you've dealt with this before, I know that you've dealt with this before, with the violence that comes out with some people, because you actually were in a church where you had to back out of a church in your Krav Maga stance worried because how upset they were. Um, Mm -hmm. Why do you think people get so upset over this issue?
3: Mm Because they, uh, I believe that they get loyal to an idolatrous position that they put above Scripture, and their lives, their identity are tied up into it. And if someone comes in and challenges that, they're going to react very negatively, and so they should uh, recognize that. As you mentioned five, six years ago. I was passing out literature at a church about the women pastors and elders, and the reason I did was because I went to talk to them, and they uh, said they would talk to me, and then they went back on their word. So then I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to the body of Christ. I'm trying to be biblical, talk to you first, and ask you to give me a, a reason for the faith that lies within you about this particular issue. They said they would, then they went back on their word. I said, okay, I'm going to go out, you know, to the body. And they said, are you threatening us? It was ridiculous, these Christians. And so I and some friends of mine and I went out during the snowfall. And we stood out there uh, on public property. And we passed out literature about this woman issue, just asking, why are you doing this? You know, just here's what the Bible says. Why do you have this in your church? They called the police on us. And uh, the police uh, came and and they were very polite. The police were. And um, so we're out there in the cold while it's snowing. And uh, nobody came out to see how we were doing. Nobody came out to, uh, um, to bless us, you know, bless those who persecute you. Uh, nobody came out to make sure we were okay or warm. Uh, nobody did, but they called the cops on us. This is a big local church here. This, that happened. And, um, so, uh, please, like I said, police came, we talked, they said everything was fine. everything, no big deal. Continued to pass out literature for another couple of hours. People took it. I know they took it into the church. I know it caused a problem. Um, and, um, I was told that there were lawyers in the church and that I need to be careful. Um, so it, it was just ridiculous. So on the way home, I, uh, stopped by another church uh, down the street from me and uh, they had us a some meeting and I, I walked in and we got talking. they were very friendly until I said, why do you, uh, why do you have women pastors and elders? And, uh, just to be clear, uh, what happened was I ended up, uh, in my Krav Maga stance, um, it's just real, kind of standing with your hands up, open, uh, one foot back, and uh, you can move that way and you're ready for whatever, but, it's, but also the hands are up. It just means, you know, no, not any problem, but you can also put your hands and, and do some things. And so uh, I had my hands open like this and um, I would literally, I was skipping details, but I literally was ended up ending up backing up out of the parking lot towards my car while uh, the pastor had his arm on one guy holding him back. Uh, who wanted to attack me uh, because the pastor was says uh, had said, um, what happened was I was outside the church after they asked me to leave, asking the question, and um pastor was angry at me. And so I was outside, and another guy, one of their flunkies, um, guys started coming uh, towards me, and and I put my hands up like this. And uh, the pastor was already walking back into the church, put my hands up. There was about eight or ten feet of, of distance between us and uh between this guy and i and uh, he this guy stops and then yells out uh, yells out loud he shoved me and i didn't even touched him and it's about eight feet difference the pastor turns around and yells out did you shove him and everybody starts looking at me and i'm like oh my goodness right there i knew this was dangerous and uh, so i had to start defending myself verbally and i started yelling out no i didn't i said he lied i didn't i said I'd never touched him. I'm back here. And he started approaching me. And so I put my hands up and I'm yelling this out and he comes back. The pastor's next to the same guy. And I said, you got to tell him, you know, he, cause he flat out lied. And, uh, the guy looked at me and, and made that masculine gesture where you put your, your shoulders forward and you take a step forward. Somebody that's, that's a very aggressive. I put my hands up, uh, at this point, you know, I was, I was ready. And, the, um, the pastor stopped him and said, be none of that here. So this guy was ready to physically assault me. And, uh, I just got out of the, I got out of there. It, it, this is what happened in Christian church it's twice the same day. So I was threatened with physical harm. Uh, I was accused falsely, lied about, and the cops called on me just because I, I asked them, can you defend the idea of women pastors and elders from the Bible?
2: Well, I've noticed that people get real upset over this. I also noticed another trend. I think you've noticed this. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a trend that when you first put, allow for female pastors, something the Bible doesn't support, that soon we start to see other things start to go. Uh, do yeah. you do you see this as like kind of that first issue, that, that watershed issue that kind of is the first of many falls, theologically? Well-
3: yeah, I, I did a lot of research on this and 80% in my research, I well, I'm gonna explain what I did first. I went through and, and it took me two or two weeks. I went through and, um, uh, Looked at denominational websites and researched women pastors, elders. We re- researched their dates when they came on uh, through history, whatever it was. It took me a while to find this, this stuff out. Different denominations researched if and when homosexuality became an acceptable issue, and then I, I wrote it. So it's up on carm someplace. And uh, basically, my my findings were that within uh, one to two, it was a variation, one to two generations of, um, of adopting women pastors and elders. Eighty percent of the churches sort or of denominations started affirming. The issue of homosexuality is an alternative lifestyle, and it's not that serious a, a, a deal and so uh you know apostasy comes first let me tell you something the word of god says what it says if you don't like it then i, I suggest you either take your bible and put it up on a shelf because it might offend you someplace else or you can take uh, the ronco exacto knife and you can cut out those verses of scripture that that offend you personally and then you can make it say what you want to say uh you can do that or you can submit to the will of god now a lot of people don't understand is that uh Men are the ones who are supposed to do this because men are the ones who are supposed to be an authority. Uh, masculinity is under attack in our culture, heavily under attack. Um, I just talked to somebody recently who I won't give too many any details. I'll only be very, very generic. He, he, to no fault of his own, due, a, due to a family issue, um, went to counseling with all the family members, and it turned into a a, a male bashing uh, time. And I go. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's what happens. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, early in my marriage, my wife and I had some problems and we went to, to some counselors and uh, I learned very quickly. It's just male bashing. That's, if my wife were to say to me today, need to go to counseling. I would say first thing in my mind would be, oh, because you want to see, you know, your husband get bashed. That's, to me, that's all it is. And so I don't put any trust uh, in, the, in the counselors now, hardly at all because of that. Uh, and and they, Christians and non-Christians alike, are ready to start jumping on the Anglo-Saxon white Protestant American male type of guy. I believe it's well entrenched in their culture, and so I also believe that there's a deception going on within Christian families, within Christian churches, uh, to in varying degrees. But as far as this goes, that uh, too many people are listening to the to the uh, lies of the world and want total equality in everything, transgender this and don't you know you're you're a sexist, you're a this, whatever. It's ridiculous stuff, and so it bleeds over into the church. And those people who are not dedicated to the Word of God, who do not believe the Word of God, who do not trust the Word of God, but open their mouths, drag their knuckles, their eyelids are at half-mast, and they go to a church that tells them what they want to hear, and their ears are tickled, and they like it. And uh, then they go out to a, a restaurant and get served. And this is their Christianity. These kind of people are the ones that need to be driven out of the church. And what I tell pastors is that what they've got to do is they've got to start preaching to thin the church out, start calling people to task and start calling them to the cost of discipleship because it's not being preached. It's not being taught. The pastor is supposed to preach and teach to the Christians, he's supposed to equip the Christians for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. He's supposed to be doing that work, not babysitting the unbelievers, let the unbelievers come in, they're Welcome to come in and hear that gospel message. But the pastor is not supposed to preach in order to make people feel comfortable, because if he does, he's compromising the Word of God. So when men start feeling comfortable, they become atrophied. They don't do anything. They get spiritual pot bellies. They become weak, and uh, they don't know what to stand up for. And so in our society where the male is under attack, and the female is the one who's always in charge, and the female is the one who's made to look intelligent and capable, the man's a doofus, well, then all the more for the men to sit on their hands to do nothing to be weak to not obey the scriptures, be strong, be men, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. And what they do is allow women pastors and elders to get into the church. And it is a shame upon them that this occurs and they need to have the spiritual guts in order to stand up for righteousness and say, no, we don't allow this, but they don't do it because they're wimps. They don't believe the word of God to gather uh, teachers to tickle their own ears and um, quell the discomfort of their own hearts so that they might feel better about themselves. But their wives and etc they're not willing to lead the way they're supposed to lead i don't care if the world doesn't like what i'm saying i don't give a flying friggin rip if they like it or not who cares i got answer to god that's what the word of god says and that's what i'm going to stand for so there you go
2: okay and i do want to ask you another question but first i just want to give a call out to a guy by the name of reform Calvinist. If there's anyone who knows who Reformed Calvinist is, uh, invite him into this hangout. He said, why do you, speaking to you, Matt, why do you represent, why do you not represent true Calvinism? You're a fraud. I invited him in and he vanished on us. So, anyone who knows who Reformed Calvinist is, um, invite him in to actually defend his claims uh we'll see if he would actually come in and be more than just a keyboard warrior notice a lot of keyboard warriors out there so so matt here's the arguments that were given to me with with that tweet and it is but you're putting god in a box so matt are you putting god in a box by saying that women can't be a pastor no why
3: not well i would ask the person that said that i'd say okay show me the box
2: well they're going to turn to deborah uh say was she was an elder
3: or a pastor in a church Oh well, she
2: was a no. leader. She was a judge,
3: and she was a uh, judge for the shame of men. When I'll ask, was she a a um, a, uh, a pastor, and elder? No. Was it a church context? No. Okay. I'd say
2: next. <laughs> yeah. So, who is it that puts that that limit there? Is it is it? Uh... Is it it's us? they
3: who are doing this. They're the ones who have put God in a box and say, God can't operate this way. Even though the Word of God says what it says, what we're going to do is tell you how God's really going to be. And we need to have equality because the world is looking at us. We have to please the world, the secularists, the antichrists, the people who uh, trample the Word of God under their feet. We're going to join with them. And what we're going to do is we're going to say women can be pastors and elders when the Bible speaks against it. That's what's happening.
2: All right. And, and I think that the reason this is such an important issue, as we said, I mean, this is often the first step in the spiral downward, and this this goes completely against our culture, but the the fact is, culture does not define the interpretation of Scripture, Nope. and we don't submit to culture, we submit to God. And the, the people yep. who want to make this argument and say, well, this is what God wants, God is love, he's going to love everyone, well... God has the right. Control. No, yeah. God has the right to decide what, he, how he wants his creation to be. As the creator, he actually has that right. So, you know, I think that it's God who has set this up. All we're trying to do is say to submit to him and his word. And I think that becomes the real issue. It's, it's that it's, um, the fact that people do not like God's standard, and they want God to submit to their standard versus them submitting to God's standard.
3: Right. That's what it is. <clears throat> um, you know, it, that's why it's probably talking. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, so, you know, the Bible goes on and, and tells us in uh, 1 Timothy 3.12, it says that the elders to be the, uh, and- actually, it's Andromias Gunikos, a man of one woman. Um, that uh, husband of one wife, and so that's what he's supposed to be doing. The elder is supposed to be a man who holds to having one wife. Now, in the culture, men were married very quickly. Uh, you just were it just everybody was married, and um, the elder uh is to be the husband of one woman. Husband of one a woman can't do that, so. You know, it's just a, a real simple thing. And also, let me let me say that this is an authority issue. I've had some people tell me that uh, it's not an authority issue. It's a, it's a cultural issue, which we've already addressed. And some people will say, no, uh, men don't have authority over women, that they're equal before God. And what they're doing is they're misrepresenting um, categories. Yes, they're equal before God, uh, Galatians 3.24, but uh, they're not equal in their positioning. And uh, just as a man in a, in a marriage relationship is the head of his wife, if they're equal before God, how can they hey, be the head of his wife? what the Bible says, but yet they're still equal. The equality is in a different sense. And so what they do is they very often misrepresent the word of God and then try and set the word of God against the word of God. So what they don't realize that they're doing is they're actually aiding and abetting the enemy of the gospel when they do this kind of a thing. Titus 1.6 also says that the elders to be a husband and one wife. Yes, good night, God's on air. And so the Bible clearly tells us that. And this is the position that Paul the apostle has stated in the church. And finally, I've had people tell me, well, that was just his opinion. I'm serious. I've had people say, well, that's just Paul's opinion. We don't want to go with it. And I say, well, he's giving instruction to the church, uh, so you're just saying that your opinion is as good as as Paul the Apostle? And and I've had people say, yeah, and they're serious. And, um, you know, that's when I tell them, okay, could you uh, take your right hand and put it in front of your face, you know, look to your left, now slap yourself upside the head, because this idiocy is present. So what men need to do in the church, what men need to do everywhere, is study the Word of God and get in groups with men and start studying the Word Men with men, women with women, men need to start studying and study these issues. And what's the man's responsibility in the church is to lead and to guide as well as sacrifice and to serve. And so he's supposed to do that. And if a woman pastor or elder is there, he's failed to do his job. And we're talking about, normatively speaking, we're talking about stuff in the United States, Western cultures and things like that. And this is um, a shame to men. So when I I see women pastors and elders on TV, and I've seen some stuff on channels and I see men around them. I, I always look at the man. What's wrong with you guys? What's wrong with you? Now, you don't have the guts to stand up for righteousness. Now, you don't have the guts to stand on God's word. What's wrong with you? And I, I blame it. And I blame the men. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, she sinned first. She gave the fruit to Adam and then he sinned by eating it. But when uh, they both were hiding the pre-incarnate Christ, said to the man where are you he didn't say to them adam and eve where are you didn't say to her what have you done he said to the man where are you so the pre-incarnate christ addressed the man he was the one responsible this is how it is so i tell men this Men need to submit to this because it's what the Bible says. Women need to submit to it because it's what the Bible says. Both need to repent if they don't don't agree with the, what this is, is teaching is. They need to repent, and um, they need to come into harmony with the Word of God and do not look at culture as a determiner for for biblical truth.
2: Okay, so, you know, I was teaching uh, in a Bible study through we we're in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Interesting thing that I noticed that I think applies to this. And you went back to the fall. Genesis chapter 3, when we look at what happened with Eve and the serpent, you see the serpent come and he says to Eve, he, and this is what he he says to the woman, "Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" Now, this is what I find so interesting about that, Matt, is that the Adam was told he could eat of any tree he wanted in the garden, except one, right? So there's only one that couldn't be. And and yet what we end up seeing is that's the only one that the serpent focused on. As if if you can't have one, then it means you can't have any. I see the right. same exact thing here. These people who who try to say, if you can't have a woman as a pastor, then she can't do anything in church. You're restricting her. You're sexist. You're you're telling her she can't do anything and she's meaningless in the church because she can't do one thing. She could do a thousand other things. There's one thing God said she can't do. It's the same thing as with the tree. There's one tree they can't eat of, and the, the serpent acts as if, oh, then you can't do anything if you can't do that one. And it's the same thing over and over again.
3: You got company over? right now no i'm hearing uh somebody i don't know what's going on yeah i'm, hearing I'm gonna stuff. well i'm gonna bring, hearing it
2: yeah th- we think it might be keith i'm gonna bring keith in and turn his volume up. his volume was down i'm not hearing anything but um keith you're you're in here do you have any questions for matt
0: uh, yes i am here and there is a good chance that sound could be coming from here all right um, let me see if I can
2: step out of the door here. All right.
0: Um, yeah, I did have a question.
2: Hey, it's dark Matt. over there.
0: Yeah, well, I'm outside right now.
2: <laughs> we see a black screen.
0: Uh, well, here's a clue. I'm a blind guy, so I don't do well with screens. So Ah,
2: um, all right. So So what question do you have for Matt? Are you there? Oh, wait. Something happened. He went mute on us. Let's see if we can unmute. You got to unmute yourself, Keith. If you can hear us, you have to unmute yourself. I can't seem to do it. There we go. Have there we go.
0: Yeah, well, hear we hear you go. now. Hear you now. Um, I I totally agree with y'all uh, about women in, in pastorship. But I heard it put this way once before: is uh, if you have the woman pastor, you have to ask: aren't, aren't there not any men in the church? And assuming that there are no men, knock yourself out. Hmm. Assuming if there are men in that church, uh, pardon the language, they should grow up here and stand up and preach. Uh, and if you're not in that church and it offends you, hey, there's your mission field. Go and become their pastor. Easier said than done, I know, from what Matt had said earlier.
3: Yeah, then we have this uh, uh, very, very, very unusual situation, and then you can say, yeah, now she's validly a pastor. And then when you say, oh, well, in this situation, she's a pastor. Over there, she can be a pastor. Now, if you're on a right. planet with only women, okay, the necessity would, would bring that in. Now, just to be fair, I talked to a woman in Pakistan who was a pastor, and she told me that if the men had stepped up to do the job, they'd have been killed. Ah, What do you do? Well, I told her, well, then teach them. Do what you got to do. In that situation, it's very, very strange. But God does allow things that are aberrant to occur, and he uses them. But what we understand is supposed to be is women are not to be in that place of authority. They should never use a justification.
0: And and Uh, it was mentioned earlier, too, by Deborah. And I will say that is an exception and not the rule. And so, yeah, I can see exceptions for the rule. Well, I, but I would but not
2: agree. here's here's the thing, Keith, with Deborah. If you actually read the Book of Judges, Deborah says to Barak that her being a judge is a judgment on him. She, she knows what she's doing is wrong, but because he won't step and, up, she's saying she will. For,
0: for a general, he was kind of wussy because he says, yeah, "I'll go and fight if you go with me."
2: Yeah, and she said that that's a that's a condemnation on him. So she wouldn't yeah. even agree with the people that use her as an excuse. Sure. She knew she wasn't supposed to
3: be in that place, didn't want to be in that place, and the men were failing. That's why I say women pastors and elders are a testament to the failure of men in the church. Yeah. Um,
0: to, to step off with of that topic, the, the question I have, and I just heard this today, I didn't hear the full context, but the question was, if you uh, say you don't believe in hell, does that make you not a Christian? No. or And uh, I think as well as questions, like, do you still beat your wife? (laughs) No. (laughs) Or the atheist is trying to catch you to say yes or no, and they can can pounce on you? No, Uh, the issue of hell's
3: existence is not a biblically declared necessity for salvation. Right. You know, the the deity of Christ is, his physical resurrection is also, and so we don't have to, you know, it's... Yeah.
0: Now, my my response to that would have been in Revelation. I think it's twenty fourteen. It says uh, uh, Hades was uh, cast in lake of fire. And so, if hell is no longer in existence at some point, then clearly we can still be Christians and still be believers without having hell slash Hades. Are you a yes? are you an annihilationist Uh, I'm not sure what that means
3: (laughs) that you believe that people don't suffer in hell forever that they are annihilated
0: well the uh, scripture teaches that there is a eternal uh, place called hell and I will leave it there
3: Uh, yeah but is the hell non-existence to you
0: well, you know, I'm just saying. In that scripture, it talks about the I understand the death and hell will be cast in the lake of fire. You know, all, all the souls emptied out. They'll be judged. You know, those who are judged are also yeah. tossed in the lake of fire.
3: Yeah, and I so, understand.
0: But what what I'm saying though is is the the question was if you say there's no hell, are you a Christian? Someday there won't be a hell because there won't be a need for it. So yes, therefore, there will be, there will eternally be a hell. Okay.
3: And there's going to be eternally a judgment upon people. And um, well, uh, hell will not cease. Their Eternal torment will not cease.
2: Well, let us let me be specific with the verse he's bringing up, because there may be confusion with it. So, Hades, which is often referred to as hell, is thrown into the lake of fire. So, technically, the eternal place, the eternal resting place of the verse he's talking in Revelation is lake of fire. Now, some people refer to the lake of fire as hell. Some refer to it as Hades. So I guess, let me ask Matt's question a little bit differently for you, Keith. Do you believe that there is an eternal lake of fire where people will spend eternity in punishment for their sin? Yeah. Okay.
0: And, and that's that's a key uh, thing to answer the question is, how do you define what? Hell is right because if someone says, Oh, hell is you know, uh, Sheol, the grave, well, that will come to an end, but the lake of fire will still be there. So, okay. how it depends on how a person defines what hell is. And yeah, I agree with you, there is an eternal okay. place because the Bible says there's an eternal place, and uh, I'm not going to go against that. Good for you. <laughs> um, all right but i just heard this question it's like it's I, I didn't catch the whole context of it and it just kind of uh, struck a chord on my mind i thought it'd be a good thing to ask you about tonight sure well i'm glad you did
2: yeah and I, I take the position that they're you know hell or hades and how you look at that will will be cast into the lake of fire that's the eternal resting place and just like there that will have an eternal you're also going to see a new heaven and new earth god will have a, a final resting place there as well um so so any any other questions you have keith uh
0: no i i, I was gonna say though in case it tripped me up i hear my wife calling me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: anyway reference
0: to the past shows
2: <laughs> yeah you you want to make sure your wife is you you don't want to be uh what was it everyone called him uh An- angry bald john <laughs> Or angry bald yeah, atheist. Think that, I think that was, yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh you don't wanna be like him where Matt gets you on the on the you know, you're you getting challenged and then all of a sudden <laughs> you gotta your wife's calling, you gotta go. <laughs> Anyway, that's
0: why I had to step outside because I was sure the room making all the noise.
2: All right. Well if you if you mute your phone, you could you could hang out here in case you have sure. another question um until the room fills up and I think Kat was next, although right. I don't we'll see be K- standing by. Yeah, so just mute yourself so we don't hear the T V there. And I guess Kat left. So I will let's see. John, I don't know if you had any questions, but uh you can unmute yourself if you have a question. Well,
0: going back to the whole Hades and hell thing, I heard also recently um, James White kind of mentioned about this in a in a debate that he had with David Silverman, where um, he kind of mentioned about that, where he says he doesn't believe that there's uh, a hell right now, but Hades exists. But then later, it'll be almost like a transfer, I guess, or there'll be people. Well, well he said no, there's nobody in hell right now because they're kind of like in 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 stasis or something like that or is it, it uh, boy i don't know yeah
3: there's different views on hell and exactly right. what it is and it's not as as easy as some might think yeah. uh, because it hell is cast in but then people are in then there in ha- hell is how much is hell similar to hades or hades to hell and then tarshish and some other things that uh, it gets it gets complicated
2: but and it comes down to how you're defining hell because like yeah. i said Some people will say hell is just Hades. Some people will say hell is the lake of fire. Some will say it's general for both. And that's why it's kind of safer to use the terminology Hades and lake of fire. When I share the gospel, I don't say you're going to spend eternity in hell. I'll I'll say you're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire, just to be a little bit more precise about it. And
3: that it's works. a bit more descriptive and scary. <laughs> it is. No, it is. Uh, that's pretty intimidating.
2: It, actually, if you want, you want scary, you you know, a scarier picture of of hell. You read the Quran. That actually has a much scarier view. And maybe if this Muhammad guy who's chatting away in chat was bold enough, he could come in here and we could talk about that. But uh, I guess mm-hmm. he's he's only he and reformed uh, Calvinist. I guess. Um, I guess they're just what would be the word, Matt, for people who feel bold when they don't actually have to be seen or called out. A
3: keyboard, they, keyboard warriors. Yeah, they hide behind nicknames. They don't risk anything. You use your real name. I use my real name. Our reputations are out there, and then they boldly go behind keyboards and the safety of their internet uh, behind nicknames, and then what they do is they challenge and make accusations.
2: They call you a so, joke that's what reformed yeah, that's reformed right. Calvinist says you're a joke you're, no one invites you no. be to reformed conferences because you're a joke you're not really a Calvinist you're a fraud but yet I did like you asked him for specifics and he couldn't name any hmm
3: well that is a good question though I've, I've often wondered why is it I'm not invited to speak at reformed groups because what do you think well, I think I know I, I know
2: why I mean why? have you not looked in the mirror I mean they want people yeah. to attend <laughs>
3: that's a good point. I got to grant you that one. That is a good point. I believe it's because I believe in the continuation of the gifts.
2: You know, I don't think it's that. I'll tell you why. A lot of folks don't know that about you that much. I mean, it's become more of a thing more recently, but I don't know that's been that big of a thing. I think next in John, you have anything else? I'll take your silence as a no. All right. I'm going to add our friend from down under Andrew and, uh, I guess Kat, I do see a note, note that Kat said she needed to pop out. Well, if Kat comes back in, we'll, we'll add her back. But Andrew, do you have any questions for Matt tonight?
1: Um, well, I'm just here to hang out and learn, um, as per usual, as always. Um, I guess the uh, question would be, if women can't fill the pastoral roles, what roles can they fill?
3: Anything except pastoral uh, teaching, preaching.
1: Okay, because at the moment, Earthquare Baptist, where I'm going, has a woman who doesn't speak every time, and she's more responsible for the counseling side. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, no problem with counseling. Wait, wait, wait. But what do you mean she
3: doesn't speak, speak every time? Yeah, what was that? what, what was... does that mean?
1: She preaches every now and again.
3: Oh, so that's a violation of the word.
1: Okay, okay. Because yeah. she she is a former missionary too.
3: Yeah. And she's violating the word. If she gets Mm up and she preaches on a Sunday, the word of God, a sermon, Mm -hmm. she's in a position of teaching authority.
1: Yeah. okay. So
3: it's not her position. And, um, uh, you know, if I were at a church, say, you know, whatever. And I'm down. I don't know everything about the church, and all of a sudden, some mm-hmm. Sunday morning, some woman comes up. She's a missionary from so-and-so. She's going to be delivering the word to us this morning. I would have to make a yeah, decision right then there. Yeah, I'd, I'd make a decision right in there, there to either leave or mm-hmm. stay mm-hmm. Stay there in order to get notes, in order to confront the, the eldership, because I most definitely would.
2: Okay, Matt. And no, I would expect okay that
3: so badly. Let me, let me challenge because it a little bit, Matt.
2: You, Hold on, Andrew. I want to challenge Matt a little bit. I want to challenge Matt a little bit here to, right. to, to testimony. So you said on a mm. Sunday, let me first ask this. Uh, Johnny Erickson mm-hmm. Tata, she is, speaks at conferences, right? She gets up and gives her testimony. Would, would you have a problem with someone like Jenny, Johnny Erickson Tata giving her testimony? At, just not, not at all. Not on a Sunday. Okay, not, not at all. all. How about if she is in her testimony sharing scripture and explaining it? Not, no problem now doing the same thing on a sunday
3: now she's in the place of teaching authority in the church
2: okay so you you make a you making a distinction andrew i'm sorry i just wanted to i wanted to, no, that's get Matt okay. to work on this um so you make the distinction of it being sunday during a worship service then
3: well see that's the place of authority mm-hmm. see and it says she cannot be an elder or teaching authority over men he's giving instruction in the church so what do you do when a woman's out on the, a street corner preaching the gospel Hey folks, you did believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. I'm not going to stop her. It's mm-hmm. not in a church that she's doing that. She's not in a position of teaching authority over men in the church context. She's out there evangelizing, okay. no problem.
2: But if she's, but if she's doing it at, at a church, like a church conference, and she's doing it, she's still at that pulpit, is she not?
3: Well, it depends. Uh is, you know, that this is where some of the gray areas come in and it gets more difficult to really weave through some of these pitfalls, these problems, because we want to see how close we can get to the, the line of, of sin without getting there. And so mm-hmm. let's say I was a pastor of a church and we had some missionary woman who'd done some incredibly great stuff by, by God's power, by God's grace. And um, would I let her come into the pulpit on Sunday under certain circumstances to mm-hmm. Uh, to to expound on the glories of God that he's done I'd say br- briefly, I'd say I would tell her, you're not to be uh, in a teaching authority position here you can't expound and authoritatively declare to anyone what they're obligated to do, you can do is just say what God has done through your life and how he's worked, and that's it, and then you can invite them to meet you in a Sunday school class afterwards and you can give more details, and that's fine, and if she said, I don't like that, I'd say, take it
1: up with God, okay so, more, more or less, you're saying I should move on. I mean, there's a Presbyterian church closer to me, and it's, it means I don't have to jump on a bus.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, it's okay in the Scriptures uh, that if you're inconvenienced, it's okay to support a church that violates the Word. I think that's okay.
1: Yeah, no, it's, but to get to the Baptist <laughs> no, church, Matt, no, have Matt. to jump on two buses, which is utterly painful, but I've liked it. and I re- Beyond that, I really like the church because... The eldership thing actually is only a fairly recent change. Up to that point, it was only men who were elders. So now they have women elders? Now they have women elders.
3: And they do we or also, uh, They do now. Okay. So then why
1: don't you go to the scriptures?
3: Go to, go to CARM, because I've done mm-hmm. the research right there. Go check it up and print up some stuff, get some stuff, and go to them and say, why are you doing this?
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, it's it's either that or I'm I'm just going to the closer church. <laughs> yeah, me, I'd
3: be I'd be taking the word of God to them. Uh, excuse me, I was just wondering if you could deal with the word of God, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Why are you doing this when the scripture says this and this? Well, you see, it, when it, I, whenever I hear someone, well, you see, blah blah blah, I, I know it's going to go bad.
2: I don't know.
1: It's well, go it's bad. yeah.
2: And Andrew, what you do is you go as far as you have to to get a good biblical church. I I was up in northern idaho there's a family Mm -hmm. that i met that they drive an hour and a half one way to go to church Mm -hmm. and they're in church three times a week so they do a three-hour round trip they spend Mm -hmm. nine hours in the car just so they could be at church with they go to church midweek and then on, I think it's Saturday. Yeah. They do things, and then on Sunday.
3: So my yeah, wife yeah. did a my wife did a mission in Togo, and she said people would often walk six hours one way mm-hmm. to get to church on a Sunday.
1: Oh yeah, I, I know of that. There were people that used to go from the Gold Coast to Springwood, but there was a highway between, so it didn't take that long. But I know of people in rural Australia uh, who live on properties. And the uh, acres are uh, you know 100, 100 acres, hectares even, and they're separated by that. And they'll drive hours to get to churches or meet together as a fan as on the farms if they are Christian, um, sort of thing. Um, I guess the Presbyterian Church here also has a Presbyterian inland missionary service which. Uh, they go around the churches in the city, but they have four wheel drives and trucks and all sorts of things. And they travel around in the city, in, in the rural areas and they help farmers build fences, repair fences, uh, you know, that sort of thing, uh, upkeep of houses, um, basically just doing anything that needs to be done. Right. And go. They, uh, they're very interesting and harrowing people, actually. I've met two couples that do that. It's a lot of isolation for the couples, right? Um, but yeah, they they do a, a very good mission missionary role that way, right? Um, okay. But since I switched to Ashgrove because I used to go to a Presbyterian church on the north side here, then I had to stop. Then I had seizures come back for the epilepsy, and I had to stop driving. Full stop. End of sentence. Uh, no GP is going to let me drive again, and I'm pull myself off the road myself anyway, um, which I probably should have done many years ago.
3: Mm. Right.
1: Um, I guess guess what I'm trying to do is justify staying or leaving, and I guess I've got to try other churches out first.
3: I would try and go to them and say, here's what the Word of God says. Why are you violating
1: the Word of God? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they'd give me... (laughs) Uh, they get—they definitely have their reasons for them, for them, and that's the problem. And I don't think I'm. Here are the
3: reasons, and uh, see what they say.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we put it through, and it was put through a vote. Like, there were some who didn't go, of course. With uh, Pastor Tim's exit, a lot of people have exited too, um, just go because to go of. Go 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 Get the information. Get it. Get her, Go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Asperger's must be kicking in. Yeah, so this All is right. getting
2: interesting. So Matt, uh, reformed Calvinist says you're a joke. I'm a joke, but John MacArthur is the true is true ministry, unlike these clowns. I guess he okay. doesn't realize right. that my doctrine is exactly, pretty much, almost exactly in line with John MacArthur. So how could I be a joke for what I believe, and yet? Macarthur's not. We believe the same thing. Hmm. I guess he's. A he's troll. I guess he's too much of a coward to come in here. So
1: yeah, he's a well, troll. Can, yeah. can I say to extend that? I uh, well, I, I I had a thought just to extend that. If he thinks he's that great, what about RC Sproul? He had a very different view. Ravi Zacharias doesn't even uh, believe in Calvinism and refutes it on a regular basis. I can think of John Lennox who doesn't support Calvinism yet they don't deny the existence of God.
2: Well well this guy's saying that I guess well at least Matt is not a real Calvinist so I, but he didn't define okay. it. so so maybe maybe he'll come in. maybe Muhammad will come in. We're, we're asking Muhammad says that we're not letting him in, uh, but that's not true. I have not blocked him. I haven't timed him out. So Well, if
1: you need me, if you need me to go, I can go back to YouTube. No, no, now
2: we're we, I mean, the room's not full yet, and we're gonna next before we go. Um, yep. Yeah, we have two two more folks in here with questions, uh, but before we mm-hmm. go, uh, Andrew, if you just want to mute, or actually, I'll, I'll mute you for now. Um, so before we get to the next person who I think is going to be, it says, I think I can't read it so well, something Jonathan, Ta- Tatiana, maybe, uh, just my eyes are not, uh, so good. Uh, before we get to, to them, uh, I just want to, uh, give a plug for a conference coming up, uh, March 15th and 16th, uh, Justin Peters from Justin Peters Ministries, Pastor Frank Mullis from Striving for Eternity Ministries, um, Joe Swazo, well, those two guys the, I mentioned are the, the keynote speakers. We have Pastor Joe Swazo from Emmanuel Bible Church and Colleen Sharp from Theology Gals. We'll all be speaking at a conference. I will note Colleen Sharp will be doing a breakout session to women only since we are just talking about that, <clears throat> but um this conference is going to be on the topic of suffering, something that if you We're listening to this show for any length of time. You know Matt understands quite a bit about this recently with what his wife physically is going through. So she understands physical suffering, but that also puts a strain on Matt, where Matt deals with the suffering of having to support someone in that way. Maybe you suffer with depression or anxiety, you suffer with physical issues, you suffer with uh, being married to someone who's unsaved or having children who are rebellious. Whatever the issue is, everyone has areas where they suffer. Most of us don't want to really get that be known. This conference is called the Sanctification Through Suffering Conference. It's going to be held in Freehold, New Jersey, a Chinese-American Bible church. And the the thing with this conference is we want to see people Learn how God can use your suffering for your sanctification. And if you want to get the details, if you just go to strivingforeternity.org, right on the homepage is a link to the conference. And so, you'd be able to get the details there. And the the thing that we're trying to do is help folks in an area most people don't want to talk about. Uh, no one likes to talk about suffering. I don't know of any other conference that focuses on it and addresses it. And we may end up doing this where if this conference goes well, we're going to take it on the road and, and do it in other places. So, if you're interested in having it your church, contact us at strivingfraternity.org. But the thing that we want to do with this conference is to be able to um, have something that is a resource for folks to be able to... Learn how God can use your suffering that you have in your life for your sanctification to grow you more like Christ. So, if you're interested in attending, now we have, if you go and register, the cost is $40. That is to cover the flights for the speakers. We're not, Striving Fraternity isn't making money off this. The speakers will get the money. The issue that we want to do, though, is some people cannot afford because they're struggling with things, financial struggles, and also a struggle. Uh, So, we're doing this, if you can't afford it, there is a link that says, can't, you know, having trouble paying, then you, come to, you just come to the conference at the door. We're going to do a love offering. You, you pay what you can at the door. If you can't pay anything, that's fine. There's others who can. Some people I know that are, have already paid and they're not attending. You can also go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate, and you could say that you want to put something in for conferences, and we'll direct that for this conference. So that's a resource we want to make available to you. And with that, I'm going to bring in, and I think it was. Well, I'm going to let I'm going to let you give your name because I think it's a ta- Tatiana, but I couldn't read it.
4: Yeah, I, you can call me Jr. Jr.
2: Okay, well, that's easier. So Jr., welcome. Uh, I think is this your first time here.
4: It is. Yeah. All
2: right. Well, welcome. You have a question for Matt?
4: Uh yes, sir. So I have. I'm a believer. I have a question about numbers five, eleven to thirty-one. Um, and I've, I've looked this up in, in three commentaries, and they don't really address the apologetics concerns. This is one of those passages atheists love to bring up. So I thought I'd just come in and ask you about it. Uh, and then since you're on the topic of women, I I have a secondary hypothetical about an argument for women as elders, but uh, that's more of an intellectual exercise.
3: Okay, so you have a question on what?
4: Uh, the, my, the reason I came in here was Numbers 5, 11 through 31, uh, the It seems to describe uh, a situation in which a, a ritual is performed in order to discern whether or not mm-hmm. a woman has a, a wife has committed uh, adultery and it the the punishment seems to be miscarriage at best. Uh, atheists would describe this as God condoning abortion as punishment, which wouldn't make sense if you're punishing the the unborn child for the offense Where does it
3: say abortion in there or anything like it? What verse?
4: uh yeah so uh it talks about there there depending on what translation you have up, it might say thigh it's one of those issue ones where they it's translated what verse? Very, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm looking it up right now twenty five through twenty eight uh, and then there's one uh one mentioned prior to that,
3: yeah, drink the water uh, ab or swell, and her thigh will waste away. the woman will become a curse among the people um I don't see where it says that the uh, where you know the child's to be lost um, um
4: yeah uh so you you got it so 21 22 and then 25 through
3: uh, uh the woman swears an oath um
4: yeah,
3: 27 or added waste away oh, i don't even know what that means really and water brings a curse she'll go to your stomach your abdomen swell your thigh waist away okay
4: yeah wow. so the the thigh waist away if you look that up in the Hebrew and uh a number of translations at least footnote it as um, miscarriage
2: yeah not no yeah. actually the translations are thighs side hip base his own the descendants, and who are his descendants
4: right right but uh there's a, a dr josh bowen he's an he's an uh an agnostic but uh and three of the four commentaries I checked identified it as likely miscarriage. So if the apologetic answer is that it, it's not. Um, well, then that's a language problem that's above my pay grade. I can't figure that out. But uh, Do you know which translations well, I do that?
2: Well,
3: no, because I've not studied it uh, in light of that particular issue. I'd have to go do some research to see. Sure. But um, I, I, you know, and that's worth looking at and examining in Numbers 5. Um, maybe I've written on it before, and it's been so long, I just don't remember. I'll check. But uh, what are the atheists raising this for? What's the reason?
4: Uh, the reason would be that this would be uh, potentially God condoning abortion as a punishment. Is there, It would be their argument.
3: Um, well, it, 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 let's just say, hypothetically, let's work with that. Let's say that they said that God is... Uh, letting the child die or whatever i'd say is that bad or, or good or right or wrong because if god's doing this there's a reason for it and he has the right to execute all people since all people by nature are children of wrath Ephesians 2 3. so how do you know he's not taking the, the child home so that uh he'll be with him in heaven instead of being raised in a situation where he, his reputation would be um very negative, and he might have a, a very guilty, suffering kind of a life socially because of it. I would say you, you don't know all the details, but I say, Mister Atheist, so what? Are you against abortion? And they say, Well, yeah, we, you know, we are for it. So, but you, in the Bible, said it's not. Well, show me where it is that in the case. And even if you're going to argue from inside the Christian perspective, well, then you have to understand that God has ordained this as a means of test in that Old Testament context, and would have worked out just as God desired. So what's the problem? So they don't really have anything to stand on, if you, you know.
4: Okay. Uh, to to kind of uh, devil's advocate a little bit, uh, so the the atheist I was talking to actually was pro-life, and he would say it's inconsistent in the Christian worldview. But so would you say... How would he know we, it's
3: inconsistent in the Christian worldview?
4: Uh, he would say, um, uh, one, it says that you're, they're not going to pu- punish the... There's a uh, the children for the sins of the father, um, so the effect, the, sin,
3: the effect of sin. Uh, the of sin. Uh, it can pass down. So that's a different concept there.
4: Well, I, yeah, I would agree. The effective sin. This, this, um, it seems like uh, uh, a punishment for adultery being killing the child does seem like punishing the child for the parents' sin,
3: though. It seems like that. And with David, uh, he lost his son due yes. to the sin. So we would have another instance of that. In fact, I have written on that.
4: Yeah. He brought that up.
3: Yeah. There's a consequence to our actions that affect others. And what does it mean to be punished for another person's sin? Well, if I rob a bank, you can't go to jail for that you can't be punished for my sin but if you're in the bank and i go in and i shoot people and you're shot in the process you don't let's say you don't die well then you are now affected by my sin in that context and there seems to be a spiritual kind of a consequence of people's sin that affects others and if they're going to say like in david's case that the child's punished. Well, in all seriousness, who says it's a punishment on the child? How it's a punishment on the on the father, on David, that he would lose the son. It's yeah. not a punishment on the child.
4: Yeah, you would have to intrinsically believe life is good, um, and then that's not necessary. Yeah. So within the Christian worldview, uh, that that makes sense. Uh, another question from a devil's advocate perspective: Would you consider this a good law today?
3: Uh, are you an atheist in disguise?
4: No, I am not. <laughs> okay. No, I'm actually a uh, uh, in full time ministry. Okay,
3: uh, a good law for today. Uh, no, I'm not a theonomist.
4: Right. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm not either. <laughs> well, well, let me because uh, because I mean,
2: you're saying the question is. I guess the reason I have issue with the question is you said, "Is this a good law for today?" And we never discussed what the law is. So. You know, the, yeah, and, 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 that's and, true, and,
4: and, and some and I do, folks let me just, take it differently.
2: Yeah, let me just do one thing real quick, and that's this. Uh, your your friend who said that this refers to abortion, uh, I've gone through now, I looked at the English Standard Version, the Holman, the New American Standard, the New English Translation, the New King James, the King James, New International, the complete Jewish Bible, uh, sorry, not that one, um, uh the New American Standard 95 version, um, looked at the New Revised Standard, looked at the New Living Translation, looked at the New Jerusalem Bible, um, just going through all the Bibles that I looked through, the American version, the Amplified version, the Good News Bible, the Message, Darby, the, the 1890 Darby Bible, none of them say that. The closest they, these come is that they say your abdomen swells. That would be the opposite of an abortion. If your abdomen is swelling, <laughs> that would more seem like you're getting pregnant. So, not that it's an abortion. Just just looking at so, the words and, yeah, and the false. argument being that translations do that, I just looked at a dozen plus translations. None of them, sure, they, they all say false
4: pregnancy was one of the things the commentary said, but it, it, some of the translations do footnote uh, miscarriage. I didn't do as thorough a, a uh, survey as you did, but
2: well I didn't do it i'm just I just went through each translation to look at it to see if any of them did say that I didn't see any of it so
4: yeah yeah which which troubled me because truthfully i i it seems like the thigh path uh translating thigh seems deliberately ambiguous but uh I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so i I can't know for sure um but yeah, you were gonna go talk about uh, uh specifically what is the law uh and I'm just uh. Trying to get inside the head of my, uh, the atheist. Actually, it's somebody you guys know, Skyler Fiction. Oh, okay, I was um, on his show recently. One who brings up uh, some of this stuff.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> mean, keep, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
4: you
2: keep in mind that his source is not a is an, uh, not a Christian scholar. Right.
4: Well, yeah, well, I, I looked up, it up in evangelical commentaries, though, and three out of four said miscarriage was likely. They didn't put it in terms of abortion, but...
2: Well, actually, it, it, it is funny, because this, this was a passage I got uh, asked today if I would respond to on my Rap Report podcast, so I may end up dealing with this, because when we get emails with requests to do interpretations of passages, I tend to do that, so...
4: Yeah, that I would may be have to
2: do some study on this, and you know, Matt, maybe I'll do an article on it.
3: Yeah, it seems like I may have to do something like that.
2: All right, so uh, JR, is it? Yes, sir. Okay. I just just trying to test my memory. So, where you're, you said you're in ministry. What church? What, what ministry?
4: Yeah, I actually uh, can't talk about it too much on the internet. That's uh, so. I'm actually um, I've been in. Uh, the the same place for nine years. And now I'm about to launch to another place where I have to keep uh, a lower profile. Okay. Okay. So I was actually, the reason this was on my mind is uh, I had Skylar Fiction brought this up and then I was uh, uh, taking a biblical interpretation class, a grad class. um, And it, uh, this passage actually showed up as an example of how, why it's difficult to interpret uh, Old Testament law in the textbook, but then they didn't uh, necessarily put put something forth. So that's what de- why it was on my mind.
2: What denomination would you be? Or would it be uh, closest to uh,
4: non denominational You did not really have to ask me specific theological questions. Uh, I probably I'm uh, non-denominational, charismatic, probably Lutheran in my soteriology.
2: Okay. All so right,
4: not not reformed enough.
2: <laughs> well, it, it seems Matt's not even reformed enough for uh, what, what was the right. name, Reformed Calvinists? Some people, yeah, yeah. right. So but I I'm to
3: say I'm not reformed because I hold the charismatic gifts.
2: We we don't know go. why he said that because he won't come in. <laughs>
3: yeah, It's all, all right. right. It's the troll.
2: All right, would Jr. If you, just mute yourself. If you have another question? Just let us know in in the side chat. We, or,
4: yeah, I did I did okay. have a second hypothetical since oh, you're okay. on women. That's right. But uh if it's if I need to wait in line, that's fine. No
2: no no go for it, go for
4: it. Yeah, so this this is um I'm just interested in the response. So the, the this one is Romans sixteen says Phoebe is a deacon. Now that Greek word can be interpreted multiple ways. But if she's a deacon, then the language prohibiting uh, theme, uh that says husband of one wife in the deacon passage in Timothy then does not prohibit Uh, women from being in that office so why does the language prohibit women being in the office of elder that's the the argument. well
3: since we know that the bible doesn't contradict itself uh we know that she can't be a deacon in the authoritative sense in the church context that'd be very simple and the word diakonos means servant okay so she's a servant uh, of the Lord. And, uh, you can have servants who are male, female in the church in an ecclesiastical structure or not. And so it's just used in different, different sense. That's all that's going on.
2: And if you take a look at that passage in first Timothy, uh, three, what you end up seeing is it's, it's going to say, uh, at first it talks about the, the role of the pastor. Okay verse one this is a trustworthy saying anyone who aspires to the office of an overseer overseer bishop pastor same same position different ways of explaining the same office so it starts off with that then in verse eight likewise deacons okay and as Matt said this is a servant this isn't a leadership position this is a servant position and you see that he goes through and then it says likewise women now the word there for wives in many translations can also be woman it's more often actually translated woman but it is translate can be translated wives if there is a husband referenced okay so some people argue that the deacon is the husband that's referenced but in this case there is no specific husband that's mentioned the fact that it says likewise is the same connector that we have in verse 8. So, when you see the first, you see things where it is specific to male deacons, then you get a reference to the female deacons, okay? Then in verse 12, it goes back to male deacons, and now it's specific to things that only male deacons can have. So, what you have is, here's the rules for a pastor, just like that, here's the rules for the deacon. The first set in verse 8 and 9 are true for both female and male deacons, and then you have it going back to things that are only true of a male deacon, like being the husband of one wife. So
4: well, Okay, so, I'm, so do you believe women can be deacons or not? I was
2: a, so let's, Does it seem like
4: Matt is suggesting they cannot? Well, let's
2: first translate it, that part. be
3: an ecclesiastical structure. If a deacon is defined as someone in authority over anybody in the church, then no. It can be, because there are different ways of defining the office. If it's an ecclesiastical structure, no, but if they are just helping out and they're kind of called that, I don't like that idea. I don't think it's a good idea, but that's, uh, that seems to be one of the ways of defining it that way.
2: So, so the thing is, this is why I say this is a word that got transliterated into English because people created the role of a deacon no longer as a servant, but as a leadership position. And therefore, they actually created a New English word to satisfy their ecclesiastical government. So, Got it. I would translate this as servants. Likewise, servants, now you don't have that problem because they're not a leadership role. And that's why I wouldn't have a problem with it, like Matt said, if they're in the proper functioning as this text says
4: okay yeah when, and that was my view of deacons as well but then it seems like if you'd go that route then that the previous argument based on language still works you would have to go to other texts to say women can't be elders
2: yeah well there's you don't see you know the interesting thing is that you don't see any reference to if you want to say that's a wife you don't see anything reference to the pastor's wife and
4: wh- whose wife
2: would need to have the qualifications the, i mean the pastor right if there's going to be qualifications for a wife if that's what that's saying, then you'd think the pastor's wife would need qualifications, too, and you, you don't see that there. So, if this is, if here's the role of pastor, who's the overseer, and that's the idea there, and then you have these servants, well, you have male servants and female servants. So, um, so that, that answer your question?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on, because it, it doesn't seem that, but I, I I don't know this is a, a hypothetical for me, so I don't know if it's uh, necessarily is worth the time, but uh it it seems like that the logic of that argument would then get us into the um well what about the whole single men thing if, if that makes sense. so it, it just seems to me yes, well you uh, better go to, a, to to a different text.
2: So well, no, actually what, what you see there when it says the husband of one wife it, it actually is literally a one woman man. This is not right. talking about the number of wives he has, it's not talking about divorce and remarriage, it's talking about basically the way he looks at his wife. If he doesn't, as long as he doesn't have wandering eyes, it's talking about a character issue. So, you can be a single man and not have wandering eyes. You could be a married man and have wandering eyes. So, you know, so it's, it's not about the singleness, it's not about the number of wives, it's about the devotion to the wife you have, or the fact that you wouldn't be having a wandering eye that you're, you're staring after people. <coughs> So um, okay,
4: but but if it's a single man, then, then the the qualifications for wife are irrelevant. And I I just again I'm devil's advocating. So uh, maybe we should move on. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the time.
2: Yeah. If you have more questions, if you don't mind muting yourself, um, actually I can mute yep. you for now. And uh, before we go to uh, the the next. Uh the next uh, would be Melissa. Uh she's got a question for you, Matt. I, I just have to say I like this Reformed Calvinist guy. He he tells you that uh you need to remove your t-shirt from saying truth. It should say liar because you're a you truly lying. No, he, he says you're a liar. Um but yet For what? I don't know. He I was just gonna say I don't see any specifics. He he says you're a joke. I'm a joke. <laughs> You're a liar, you, you know, we have true, but what, what, give us the specifics. We all know you're too coward to come in here. You're too much. I mean, at least Muhammad came in. Muhammad's more of a man than he is, I guess, but, uh, you know,
3: all right. Well, Justin's in there and, uh, he's slinging mud and stuff like that. And I said, well, come on in the room. You can't, I got company. <laughs> he's, so he's in here talking, while you got know, company, but he can't come in the room and talk while he's got company. That's because his
2: wife, his wife is calling. <laughs> yeah. all right so i just added I added melissa oh, yeah
3: my wife's calling we go I, I, like yeah,
2: the, that's right. I like the person earlier who was like yeah my wife's calling <laughs> that was good yeah. all right so melissa that's if you right. want to unmute yourself and ask your question hello you
5: hear me?
3: yeah we hear you how are you
5: doing yeah uh, i was in the, uh your uh the radio chat room about three days ago and someone said like kick Ass graphics and something should have that kind of graphics on your website. And I was like, I was saying that you would say that was like not good to say bad words. And then you asked me what bad words it was, but I don't think you got to see it. And um,
2: she I'm said I was follow- being sensitive. I'm not following you. She was. Oh, say, she, she seemed to be saying something about that we're on in a, in your radio show chat room, which I don't think you get to follow too much when you're on the radio.
5: That no, they said they said kick ass graphics, and I was saying that's a bad word. You shouldn't say that as a Christian. And then she said I was being sensitive.
2: So, so is your question well, about using language you like you that? You
5: shouldn't
3: say it as a Christian, uh, you know, um, because I think the Bible says that. We don't want to be legalistic and and stuff, but you know, I would just ask, uh, do you think it's appropriate language? I just, you know, just bring it up and yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I she was, was,
5: was in the chat room, and then um, you, you were asked, I said, Maslick would agree with me, and then you asked me, and then um, but I don't think you got to see afterwards. I was saying,
3: yeah, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't use that terminology. Oh, okay, yeah. S-
5: so, um, so do you agree that Christians can curse c- if they want to?
3: Well, when you say can, are they physically able to? Yes, if they want to. They can, yeah, they're able to. Is it a morally right thing to do? Uh, generally, I would say the Bible tells us to remove abusive uh, foul language from our mouths. So I would say leave that up to um, between the person and God and see what God says and um, okay. uh, conviction before the Lord.
5: Yeah, because I know because words could be different for some people. Like some right. people in other countries, something could be different too. Yep. Cause I know um, they use. I think it's in um, like Denmark or something like that. They use the F word, but it means like um, to breed in their language.
3: Right. And I had a seminary professor had a Dutch background, and he used.
5: Yeah, I think a uh, Dutch.
3: S H, you know the word, and, uh-huh. and I was like, what? And <laughs> I understood after a bit. Of, oh, that's right. From his where he came from, it just means mm-hmm. stuff. You know, there's no negative connotation. So. You know, it's
5: that's what it is. Well, that's how I wanted to know. So thanks. Sure.
2: Okay. Well, all right. Before we uh, get to Muhammad, it'd be a good time for us to talk about our sponsor, My Pillow, because, well, if you take a look at Matt, you realize he needs a good night's sleep. He needs that for his beauty rest. And obviously, I need lots of sleep. obviously, he's not getting enough beauty sleep. That's <laughs> true. But. He does get a good sleep when he uses his My Pillow. And That's right. he, you too can enjoy the sleep that Matt and I enjoy every night with our My Pillow if you call 1-800-944-5396. That's 1-800-944-5396. Let them know that you heard it on Apologetics Live. Uh this goes to help support the Matt Slick Live radio show and it is a great pillow. It, we're, we're not yeah, saying it. that just because they're our sponsor. <laughs> we're saying it because we've been using them long before they were our sponsor. <laughs> yeah.
3: In fact, you know what? Um, my back, because I'm getting older and stuff like that, is starting to give out on me. So I need to, I want to get a my pillow topper.
2: Yes, that's, because of, they just got that. Yeah.
3: Because they haven't sent me one. They may you know, talk about doing that kind of thing. But if they send me one, I'm going to try it. Uh, because every morning, not every morning, but like this morning, I'd use a cane to get around, um, because it- my back is starting to really act up. I mean, I have a, def- I have a fourth lumbar vertebra that's deformed as born with this problem. So as you get older, you know, things get weaker, but I- I'm, I'm interested in-, in, trying that.
2: Can I get some video of you walking yeah. around with a cane? That, that would be fun.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I in mean, pain in the, mi- in the meantime, some of you'd like that, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's bad
2: well i mean Um, just the idea of being able to bust on you i mean you you are you you are what like 62 now 62 i'm 62
3: Mm. it wasn't for that slight issue you know no problems (laughs) the gym martial arts everything it's just this darn thing i got to strengthen it so So, anyway so you i want to try that thing you're
2: old enough to get social security now huh yeah, that's true. Yeah. That so true. You're, so you're Thank like a senior life. citizen. I, 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 gotta, I have to be nice to you. You're, you're...
3: Been a senior citizen for a long time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably have like an R, AARP card, huh?
3: <laughs> uh, no, you know, I supposed to. I don't. Um, oh, oh, look I, at this. I, see, I get senior discounts of some stuff. See, you're so but, you old. Know, people, you, this is too late. for You know, huh? I'm over 55. Most people don't.
2: It, it, you're, you're yawning there. This is—is is it too late for you? Do you—you're you, getting to that oh, age no, where
3: at midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. Talk,
2: talking about my pillow, you want to go put your head down on your pillow?
3: <laughs> oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> all can right, it. all
2: right, folks. We cut this podcast at this point. We decided that. The, actually went like over three hours, so we cut it here. Wanted to give you this portion of the show. The next episode on Apologetics Live, you're going to get a rather lengthy discussion with a Very intelligent, well-studied 19-year-old Muslim. And we wanted to give that to you in one shot, but that is almost two hours long, just that. And so we decided to clip that. You're going to get that next week when this drops. So hope that these conversations you had were helpful, that you learned a lot. And just a reminder, if you go out to the page strivingforeternity.org slash donate. You can donate to us monthly there. You can also go to our Patreon page, search for Striving for Eternity. If you give $2 a month, we will give you a free copy of What Do We Believe? If you give $5 a month, we're going to give you What Do We Believe and What Do They Believe? If you give $10 a month, we're going to give you What Do We Believe, What Do They Believe, and On the Origin of Kinds. If you give $20 a month, we're going to give you what do we believe, what do they believe, on the origin of kinds, and sharing the good news with Mormons. You can get all those. If you want to go above and beyond, go for $25 a month, and we just really appreciate that. But... Basically, we, we need your support to continue doing these shows. We appreciate it. And if you can give, we want to give back to you. So just think about going out to those pages. And until next time, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.